This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Connecticut's historic Yankee Peddler Inn in Torrington. Like all of our famous guests, visit the Yankee Peddler Inn and you'll never want to leave. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And since we just moved into a new home, this is Haunted House Week on Pod Cemetery, except not a single house. <laughs> no. In these movies. Apartment have complex and a hotel. hotel. Yeah. We have 1977's The Sentinel and 2011's The Innkeeper. Let's start with our apartment complex in 1977's The Sentinel, our classic film this week. Based on the novel by Jeffrey Convitz and written and directed by Michael Winner, who apparently was terrible. Jeffrey Convitz, the guy who wrote the novel that this is based on, apparently calls Michael Winner an egomaniacal maniac. <laughs> <laughs> and Christina Raines, who is the star of the movie, apparently had repeated breakdowns during the making of this movie because of the type of director that Michael Winner was. She would cry on her way to the set every single day, and she's never seen the movie, <laughs> apparently. I, well, yeah, that sounds pretty terrible, but nobody said why. Like, nobody said no. what he did. Hmm. Apparently he had his, everything had to be his way, and, but well, I mean, he's a director, but, like, I guess he was, like, super aggressive about it. Mm -hmm. But still, like, I know it's the 70s, <laughs> and a lot of directors thought that this was the way to do things. Like we moved Kubrick. from we moved from the exactly we moved from the studio system where it was just like a day job that you had, you know, mm -hmm. and you just showed up and your boss, the director, told you what to do and you did it, you know. And then we're moving away from that into like this sort of like auteur sort of era, and we we're getting all the young, the film school generation, you know, and where we have all these visionaries with ideas, and then that I think that's we're still coming off of that. Sort of, you do whatever the director tells you to do. Sort of, the director is God, and and when uh, when you're making a film, and some directors still did that. And if you're a director still doing that, fucking knock it off. <laughs> well, also, it's not like this was a masterpiece exactly, or anything. Exactly. Uh, anyway, the movie stars. <sighs> deep breath. Christina Raines, Ava Gardner, Chris Sarandon, Martin Balsam, John Carradine, Burgess Meredith, Eli Wallach, Christopher Walken, Jerry Orbach, Beverly D'Angelo, Nana Visitor, and Tom Berenger. Ah, just a bevy of names. It's like they were showing off, although some of those names didn't mean anything at the time. Yeah, they didn't mean anything then, but yeah, nowadays, <laughs> it's like, what is this cast? <laughs> and then it's funny, because the main chick, you're like, who the hell are you? Right. Yeah, exactly. But folks like, you know, Christopher Walken, Jerry Orbach, Beverly D'Angelo, Nana Visitor, and I think probably also Tom Berenger, like, weren't anything yet, really. You know, they didn't become big names. Christopher Walken, obviously. Uh, it was a while before he became a much bigger name. He had, like, two lines in this movie. Yeah, but there he is. Jerry Orbach, 
wouldn't get his own shows until like the 80s. Beverly D'Angelo, obviously, amongst other things, everyone knows her from the vacation films. Yes. Nana Visitor didn't really become, I mean, I'm sure most people don't know who she is, but she's in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, one of the very main characters in that series. And then like Tom Berenger, I feel like he's more 80s than anything. You probably know him from Inception. He's the father's right-hand man who What's-His-Face has to impersonate in order to convince him to... Oh, yeah, I remember him. He's the one they have that they end up impersonating in order to convince him that that's the best thing to do to break up the company. Mm-hmm. Anyway. But yeah, obviously he wouldn't be a big name yet. So, lots and lots of names in this, though. Eli Wallach, who's the ugly in The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Uh, he passed away recently, if I remember correctly. Burgess Meredith, who we've had on this show before. Yeah, he was in The Burning. Yes. I mean, Burnt The, the Burnt Offerings. offerings. Yeah, well, you mentioned that when we watched The Burning. Is uh, If you want to watch a better Burning movie, watch Burnt Offerings. <laughs> but also, I mean, famously, he's Mick from Rocky, and yes. he's the Penguin from Batman. <laughs> <laughs> he's the guy who originated that. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Balsam is the detective from Psycho. Chris Sarandon we've had on this show a bunch. Of course, he's Prince Humperdinck, but he's also... Fright Night. The dude from Fright Night, yeah. And Ava Gardner, a classic 50s film actress in things like Night of the Iguana, etc. So, Kelsey, what is this Sentinel movie that they're all in about? A model moves into a apartment complex because she feels like she has to because there are themes of fate going on here. And... She meets a lot of strange tenants in this apartment complex, and then she finds out that no one lives there except for her. And way this to give away the twist! And she has to figure out why. <laughs> kind of. The movie is available to rent for four dollars and buy for fifteen. It is only thirteen dollars on Directv. Should people watch The Sentinel? If you're into weird 70s uh-huh. horror, then yep. yes, you yes. should watch this. Yes, I am. I, I mean, it's not exactly the most culturally sensitive movie no. in the world. They constantly refer to a couple, uh, uh, a female couple living together as the lesbians, as if like that's their defining characteristic, and they're also very sexually deviant. Yes, uh, and even though that's not why they're evil. You might think that's why they're evil. No, but if it's you're- not. Paying attention, you find out that they're murderers. They're murderers, yes. <laughs> a lot of these people, a lot of these murderers are women, and I'm like, the majority of murderers are men, yeah, uh-huh. okay. Also, it has a not-so-progressive view on the physically disabled and deformed. No. Which was a real bummer coming in right at the very end of the movie. It's like, oh, God damn it. And it makes no sense. Okay, I love freaks, and at least freaks make sense, like- Not that it's a good title, but it makes sense because it takes place within the freak show, sideshow of carnivals. Uh It makes sense that they are there. These people, literally, it's like... They're supposed to be demons. Yeah, or or maybe they're being punished for yeah. uh, their sins, but it's like, Jesus Christ, what are you saying about people right. that are born with these deformities? It's a, it's a bummer that that comes in right at the end. So like I say, it's, it's not exactly the most socially aware of movies and there's also lots of references to suicide uh, both of these movies have suicides in them so beware 
and they will talk about them in detail and they will be very graphic. So just beware going in that we have a content warning in regards to suicides as well. That all said, personally, I really enjoyed this movie, (laughs) but it is sort of my bag. Uh, I don't know that it's necessarily as much Kelsey's bag. I like weird movies, but not when it... (laughs) Not when it feels like it's for nothing other than to be weird and creepy. And I, I think I think it very obviously wanted to be the new Rosemary's Baby. Absolutely. It absolutely stole a lot of things from Rosemary's the Baby. The ironic twist at the end and like all of that. Like, yeah, it which just is, really wanted to be Rosemary's Baby. Which is funny because some people are saying, and I understand why, that maybe Kubrick kind of took some stuff from this for The Shining. And I sure. can see why. Yeah, I could see why. But the thing about The Shining is that, especially if you've read the book, all those things that happen have a story behind them. Whereas, like we say, there's just people walking around with deformities that are supposed to be frightening you. And it's yeah, like, Jesus! Uh-huh. Yeah. But if you can compartmentalize that, I think good movie here. But anyway, you can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 1977's the Sentinel. There must forever be a guardian of the gate from hell. No evil thing There is danger. Welcome home. From the shocking best-selling novel, The Sentinel, rated R. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does The Sentinel begin? With some priests in northern Italy talking about how they're not letting evil in, but that there is danger. And you're going to find out later that the diocese, which if you don't know anything about Christianity, we call... It's 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 like the different zones, I guess you could say. <laughs> anyway, if something is owned by the diocese, it's owned by the church is what they mean. And so this church in northern Italy like owns this complex in... I think they're supposed to be in New York. Yeah. Uh-huh. This complex in New York, because it's an area where evil demons can seep out of the out of hell, I guess. Yeah, you will find out later that this is a gateway. Why it's a gateway, why it's here, never explained. No, 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 no. Just that it is. And basically the church needs to always have someone there as the sentinel. But that is not going to really be explained. We'll talk about it as we get closer to it. But I think it I think it was a I think that you could make it make sense. They just don't try to. (laughs) Okay, we should point out that this what is uh, what is described as the robed figure is Jose Ferrer, who is Miguel Ferrer's father. Huh? Uh, We've obviously had Miguel Ferrer on the show quite a bit, but especially in The Stand, yes. So we meet our main actress, who I know you said that she had a really bad time with this. Maybe that's why her performance is the way that it is, kind of like with Kubrick. That's why her performance is the way that it is Mm -hmm. in The Shining. I don't know, maybe, but she does not do a great job in this movie. Do you think she does a good job? I think she does okay. I think she's fine. I I think she fulfills her purpose, but I wouldn't say it's a stunning performance or anything. 
I it didn't feel believable to me at all. Her mm-hmm. experiences on this in this movie. Anyway, she's a model, and one of her like friend photographers is Jeff Goldblum. Who, as soon as he spoke, I was like, "What is this voice you're doing, Jeff Goldblum?" It's not his voice. Yeah, and Chris <laughs> told me later that it was dubbed, and I'm like, "Why?" Did this movie think that we wouldn't like his voice? I guess. his voice became a trademark. Right, exactly. So you're stupid, movie. But, I mean, that's also, they didn't do much. You'll see him throughout the movie. He is just somebody who knows her and, and is friends with her. Yeah. That's it. He does and nothing he else. He fulfills no plot purpose. You'll see him again. He won't have any lines. So why did they ADR his lines? <laughs> it's so know. weird. Then we see Chris Sarandon, who plays her boyfriend, and, like, he is a bizarre character, guys. Uh, Chris Sarandon with a mustache, by the way. That's the weird thing. You're going to see characters that should have mustaches that don't, and characters that do not that do. It's a weird sort of mustache dark universe, you know? (laughs) I guess you could just argue that his character is just incredibly selfish, but... I think that he is a bizarre character because he seems he to really care about yes. this girl. Well, they need the twist at the end to mean something. I guess, but it ju- but that also says a lot about, you know, like Christianity, like I mean, not that you should be killing people. I mean, okay, but he doesn't actually kill the person, but he asked for the person to be killed. But so because, of a, like, I guess you should go to hell for that. Right. Yeah, that's still murder. <laughs> right. But then he, like, really cares about this person. But maybe it's not that he cares about her. Maybe it's just that he wants her. Well, no, I think I think that's the thing that sort of, uh, I, I, I hesitate to say fools you, but, like, disorients you about his character is that he does obviously, I think, care about our main character, Allison. And he will, later on in the movie, they'll float the idea that, oh, maybe he's trying to fuck with you. Maybe he's trying to gaslight you, right? And then make you think you're crazy and then, or whatever. Uh, And then ultimately his plan is to kill you like he killed his previous wife or whatever. But no. And the movie shows you that, no, he is dedicated to protecting Allison. But, but that doesn't mean he didn't kill his wife, which you'll find out later he did. So it's it's this weird sort of uh, roller coaster of emotions when it comes to Chris Sarandon and his character. You're like, oh, but he seems like a stand up dude. But oh, did he? Is he trying to fuck with her? No, he's not. He actually does legitimately care about her and will risk his life for her. Oh, but yeah, he did kill his wife. <laughs> so yes, I'm giving you his whole entire character arc over the course of the movie. You just have to understand that you do not learn this all at once. It's it's like piecemealed out to you. Yes. Allison finds out that her father is dying in Baltimore, so she has to go back to see him before he dies. And it looks like a pretty painful death, which, again, kind of falls into the idea, if Christianity is real, like, you're going to pay for your sins, you know? Yeah. And this guy sinned a lot. Holy shit. (laughs) Okay, so this is a cool effect. She goes back to her old house, this mansion, right, where her father lived, and I wrote down, the effect of her seeing herself is pretty cool. And at first, I didn't know what I meant by that is. But now you're reminding me. She looks out a window and she sees a car pull up. And who gets out of the car? She does. She does. And then so you see, like, her watch herself walk through the house. And it's actually a really cleverly pulled off effect. Yes. And I think it works. And basically, she's watching herself that fateful night where she first tried to kill herself. She walks in on her father having a threesome. 
with these two women, which will reappear consistently throughout the movie. Also, I feel like there's some fat shaming going on here because there's like a skinny woman and an overweight woman. And the overweight woman's like eating cake. They're all eating. <laughs> like it's it's, it's just, it's, you know, you, you can have your kink, but... Maybe not when your daughter's supposed to get home from school. Yeah, but the weird thing... And then maybe thing, not shame her for finding you. That's that's it, though. That's how it starts. But what he actually is getting mad at her for is bringing that thing in here. And what he's referring to is her crucifix. He yells at her, I told you never to bring that thing in here. And he rips the crucifix off of her neck. And she leaves crying. She goes to the bathroom and slits her wrists. Pretty fucked up. It's... But weird, bizarre. Bizarre. A little goofy. A little goofy. A little unbelievable. Yeah, uh-huh. Over the top. Yes. Yes, for sure. And I think that maybe that's not for the best in this moment, because this moment should feel really real and really like, holy shit, you know? And it does, but not with the effect you want. It's holy shit, like, oh my god, did I just watch that? Not holy shit, not hereditary jaw on the floor. Right, but... That I, did not happen. But I also think it... I mean, not to sort of slag off this this incredible movie, which I love and I know is one of your favorite movies ever, so understand that I say this with love. Rosemary's Baby, when the devil is a dude in a fursuit, and she's like, this is real, this is really happening. Like, it sort of felt like over the top like that. A very, very serious topic. In that case, it's rape, Right. In this case, it's suicide, but it's like over the top. Except that in Rosemary's Baby, Uh she's in a drug-induced sleep and cannot wake out of it while she's being raped. I know. This actually happened. Right. I understand. But what I'm saying is, whatever the reason is, it doesn't prevent it from being a little bit, I hesitate to say silly, but weird. Bizarre. I think you only feel that way because they made fun of it in This is the End. I couldn't even tell you what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. Jonah Hill says, this is really happening. Oh, God, I completely forgot that was a thing. No, I don't. I think it's a little bit weird. It's the worst line reading in the entire movie. Again, because she's in a drug-induced sleep. I get it. It doesn't make it a, a good line reading, though. Got it. Looks like the Oneaters. Like I said, I'm sorry to... I'm not... I love Rosemary's Baby. She's... Speaks to her mother, and she's like, why did you stay? And she's like, I had nowhere else to go. But that story is not important at no, all. uh uh-uh. So she decides, she's been living with Chris Ran, and she decides that she wants to move into a new apartment complex, which, if you don't understand that fate is taking a hand here, and that God has a purpose for everyone, and, like, she is being called to her purpose, without that, this decision makes zero sense. Oh, Jesus, Allison, another unfurnished apartment. With all the stuff you have to buy. Well, at least I can get a full-length mirror. What? Just once, I'd like to be able to check my clothes without having to race my mirror. <laughs> How much is this one? 600 a month. <laughs> Save your money, marry Michael. I will. Jenny, it's just that I've been with him for two years, ever since I got out of the hospital. I just need some space. I just need some space now. I still love him, Jenny. I just need to get a place of my own. I have to prove to myself that I can take care of me. 
Maybe just for a year or two, you know? Maybe just for a year. She wants to have her own place. And and I'm glad he's not a dick about her getting her own place, right? Because he very well could have been a total dickhead about it, right? Well, her excuse is that we can't get married yet because your wife just died. He, she died two years ago. Uh-huh. Al, come back. Marry me. It's only been two years since Karen. Karen and I were not like you and me. Forget it. I can't forget it. Think of us. But there's all this suspicion about his wife's death. I haven't seen her, not since your wife Karen's suicide. Don't get in too deep. Closed, closed, closed. The case is closed. Mrs. Lerman jumped from the 59th Street Bridge. Miss Parker, mistress of the bereaved husband, took an overdose, but lived. And now here we are again in a hospital waiting room. You and me. Hmm. Except this time, there's no corpse for you to invent murder theories about. Yeah, he hired somebody else to kill his wife. I don't remember what the circumstances were, though. Anyway, the woman who is selling her the apartment. This is Ava Gardner. Does she know about what's going on? I think she does. Okay. It wasn't super clear. It, I don't think it's necessary that she does, but I think she does. Well, it is necessary because she lowers the rent for her. Yes, I she, think those are the hints there, yeah. She refuses to say anything about the priest. Who's John Carradine playing Father Halloran. He's in the window of the upstairs apartment, just sits there. He's blind, but he stares out the window all day. She doesn't say anything about the diocese owning this place until later. Like, mm. it just seems... Like she knows what's going on. Uh-huh. But that doesn't make a lot of sense with the ending. I don't like how the, how the ending happens. Because then it seemed like the only people who lived in this apartment complex are the people who are going to become the Sentinels. Right. And we get two people moving in later. A family. Yeah. And, then a, uh-huh. and then a person and a couple. Like, it, it's weird. I think, I, I think only, and this is going to, I mean, since we haven't explained exactly what's going on. I think that they fill this place for a while. And then as that person, the Sentinel, gets older and eventually dies, they need to find a replacement then. But Except that they look ancient the moment they become the yes, Sentinel. Uh-huh. Yeah. I agree. I bet you the novel explains it. And that's probably one of the reasons the novelist was pissed. <laughs> but yes, Ava Gardner plays Miss Logan, the real estate agent who basically makes this a sweetheart deal that is impossible to refuse. Yeah. It's just funny because the furnishings, it's its a furnished apartment complex because she can't afford to buy her own furnishings. Uh-huh. It's just funny because it's all super old-fashioned, just nothing a model from the 70s would want. Right. But again, when you find out that she's being called upon by God, it makes more sense. Mm-hmm. But yes, there is a priest who lives above her and he stares at her through the window and the lady says, well, he's blind. He can't see anything. And she's like, then what is he looking at? <laughs> yeah, it's totally unnecessary. Like, w- tell me what that adds to the concept if the Sentinel is blind. Right? It's just to make him creepy. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. A lot of the stuff is like, what can we do to be creepy? And I'm all for creepy sure. ambiance and scares. Absolutely. But it has to lead somewhere. It's like a jump scare. You can't create creepy atmosphere and then just say, aha, we did it. But for no good reason. 
I think that that is a problem, not to give away the game here, but that's a problem with both of our movies this week. Is they just, they did things that they thought were supposed to be creepy and had no real true understanding of why it's creepy and why and when you should be using it. So, yes, no, I 100% agree. Like, this isn't Rosemary's Baby quality, but I still really enjoy it. But not because I think it's a great, you know, masterpiece or anything. So, the next time she's doing her photo shoot with Jeff Goldblum, she ends up collapsing? Yep. So, we're getting another Rosemary's Baby thing where she starts to get, like, sick, but almost, like, psychically sick. Yeah, Yeah, but... uh For no real reason. Yeah, I mean, again, there's a reason in Rosemary's Baby, right? Mm -hmm. This is the devil's son (laughs) who's sapping away her energy, right? Yes. In this movie, why? (laughs) Why would you want... I mean, I guess because there's all these demons around, they're sapping your energy, I guess? But then why would you want a frail blind person then spending decades watching over the place? Wouldn't you want this person to be strong? Very odd. Yeah. When she gets home, she will meet Burgess Meredith. Charles Chazen in 4B. He has Mortimer the parakeet and Jezebel the cat. They're so cute. They're so cute. But Burgess Meredith's character is very strange. It's like she likes him. Yeah, sure. She doesn't like any of his friends. It's weird. So, but like she'll be, t- she'll deal with things she doesn't like to hang out with this guy. But I'm like, why do you like this guy? I think it's more that she finds him harmless. But she's a little bit annoyed with how much, like, attention he demands of her. Right. And, again, Rosemary's baby. As soon as Burgess yes. Mary Harmless old on, person all who maybe lays it on a little thick. who yeah, live uh-huh. in this apartment complex who, for whatever reason, want you to be their new best friend, which is why I don't deal with neighbors. Mm-mm. Yeah. Nope. I don't care. No. Don't want to know my neighbors. I know. Thanks. And if you're super friendly to me, I get suspicious. <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> Anyway, he has this whole weird thing where he's like, this is Eisenhower. She's like, oh. your taste is impeccable. No, I think the point is, is that his his taste, number one, is super old. And number two, he doesn't quite know what's been happening in the public sphere for a while. Like, for a while. Like, he just, he doesn't quite get things. And that's because he doesn't live in this era. <laughs> he lived a long time ago, and he just sort of picks up pieces of things instead. And so he he fucks things up. Yeah, well, I mean, so we're gonna find out that he's a fucking demon, right? He's a murderer turned demon, or whatever. Yeah, so it's, if you're thinking, if you're getting the Haunted Hotel vibes from American Horror Story, yeah. I sure. got that too. Yeah, uh-huh. I was like, Definitely. Did they take some stuff from this? Well, yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing about American Horror Story. Is it's all about taking tropes and things like that and rewrapping them in a different package. Yes. But she thinks he's harmless. But then she meets the two women. Gerda and Sandra. And then Sandra is Beverly D'Angelo. When Gerda leaves... They're like dressed like they were doing exercise or whatever. She asks if they're if they're dancers. Yeah. Yeah. She goes and she answers the phone or gets tea or something like that. And while she's gone, Beverly D'Angelo, who doesn't say a fucking word, just stares at Allison and then starts masturbating in front of her. And then when she she finishes, and then Gerda walks back in and Allison asks, like she's she's very like put off, like, oh my god, like what's going on? Should I not say anything? Like, do you have mental problems? Like what uh, like she, 
She doesn't scream and run away or whatever, but she's like very weirded out by what just happened. Gerda walks back in and asks her, so what do you guys do for a living? And Gerda (laughs) says, we fondle each other. (laughs) And then she does. And that's when uh, Allison's like, all right, time to get the fuck out. Yeah, I got to get out of here. Like, I don't like I don't think Allison gives a fuck that they're lesbians. But that's weird, man. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It wouldn't I if you were straight people, I would be weirded out. None of this is okay. I don't care what your sexuality is. So she finally leaves. Also, people doing weird sexual stuff in front of her. It's probably traumatic to Allison. Yeah. 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 She's not into kinky sex, I'm assuming. Yeah. But anyway, so she then is at work again and can't get this right. She's supposed to turn the, this bottle so that it she faces just cannot the camera get it right. cannot do it. And when she does get it right, she's being the mentally, focus is out. Yeah. Uh-huh. She's mentally exhausted at this yeah, point. Uh-huh. Jerry Orbach is the director of this commercial. Yes. And he also has a mustache when he shouldn't. I guess all directors have mustaches. <laughs> oh, no. No, uh, no. Chris Sarandon. Chris Sarandon is the one with the mustache. Yeah. So she goes home after a bad day at work. Uh-huh. And Burgess Meredith immediately blindfolds her to take her to a very creepy birthday party. Birthday party for Jezebel. The cat. Who is wearing a little birthday party hat. And it is the most adorable adorable thing in the world <laughs> it is really cute and this i feel like i've seen this before not this yeah. movie uh-huh. but like i feel like i've seen a weird birthday scene where somebody is yes. brought in and i 100 percent agree crazy. with you i've seen this I, before. I can't pinpoint it, it no. might, we might have even watched it on the show probably have but i yes there's something very familiar about that but also it's a bunch of what we'll find out later like the ghosts of murderers yes which, again, straight out of the episode uh, from American Horror Story, where all the crazy murderers of the world all are, of our, here are, or, are here yeah. to have dinner. Yes, it's very, very similar. But we won't find that out until later. At this point, we believe these people are alive uh-huh. and well. And everyone's like, you know, it's the sort of like... Some people live here, some people don't. And some people used to live here. Some people used to live here. F- felt very Rosemary's baby yeah. in that way. Not not everyone is like necessarily friendly with each other, but they all know Charles Chazen, and so they're all hanging out together. Gerda and Sandra are there. So is this old woman who's sitting in the chair and black and white cat, black, black and, and white, white cake. cake. And I don't know why that's <laughs> That line is supposed to be so important, and I'm like, I don't understand I why. Don't know. Movie, you you did nothing to prove to me why I should hear this line so many times. But that night, she has a fucked up dream, which is a fun little segment of her having this dream, which is really messed up. And she wakes up, and her chandelier is swaying, and there's sa- the sounds of somebody walking above her in the apartment above her. But. There's nobody there. So she goes to the lady who sold her the place and she's like, what the fuck is up with these tenants? Right. But the lady is also like, it's just you and the priest. Yeah. There's nobody else that lives there. This place is empty. You're and crazy. so she's like, I- I'm not crazy. There were people here. Chris Sarandon, first of all, has a detective look into it. Brenner. Right. And he's like, oh, OK. So he is looking into it for her. He, he tells her like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm sure it's fine. But then he calls the detective and it's like, I need you to look into this. We will find out later that this is the guy that he hired to kill his wife. So this detective goes to the apartment and looks into it. But yeah, Ava Gardner tells her that 
her and the priest are the only actual residents for the last three years, and she gives her a tour of the various apartments, and they don't even look the same as when she went into them. Yeah, before. they're empty, and you know, no one has lived Full there for dust, years. Full of dust, and it's different carpet, and and then at, that night she hears more steps again, and three thirty in the morning. Yeah, which felt very like Amityville, but had Amityville come out yet? Yeah, that was seventy nine. Mm. But she runs into in the hall. Jezebel having eaten Mortimer. (laughs) Jesus, poor Mortimer. And then her dad walks into the apartment that she's looking at. This was a really good, scary moment. I appreciated this. This was really good. I wrote down, he is creepy as fuck. He walks out of her wardrobe and it's scary as shit. And then the, the two other ladies that he was having that threesome with are there. And then she just... Walks him up with her knife. She stabs him and cuts off his nose. <laughs> and you find out later that it's the... It's, it's the Bre- it's Brenner. It's the detective that the detective. she just killed. Yeah. No. It's Supposedly. The, it's the guy who... Isn't it the guy who killed his... Yes. The detective that Chris Sarandon hired to look into it. Who he also had hired to kill his wife. So this is what's going to get the actual police detectives involved. This and, is Eli Wallach and, and uh, Christopher Walken. Yes, but this whole time you're going to be thinking, why doesn't she just fucking leave? Why don't you just She has a lease. Away. <laughs> but it's because God is calling her. Yeah. Also, Eli Wallach, no mustache. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> the mustache movie. But yes, he is Detective Gatz. Yeah, I, I was like, the guy from The Holiday. <laughs> He's in the holiday. The holiday. Yeah, he's the old guy that hangs out with Kate Winslet. Oh, oh, that holiday. Oh, okay. He suggests foul play and that Chris Sarandon's wife didn't kill herself. I think that's what it was, is she was supposedly killed herself. There's a lot of suicide, right? So Brenner, this doer that Chris Sarandon hires, who hired him to kill his wife, right? Hired him to investigate the apartment complex when Allison started freaking out, right? He killed Chris Sarandon's wife, made it look like a suicide. And then also on top of that, Allison, distraught by the fact that the man she was sleeping with, his wife killed herself. She also tries to kill herself again for a second time. She attempts suicide. So, like, suicide's a big factor in this movie, and it directly ties into the plot later on. Yeah, but they don't really tell you why. I can tell you why. We'll get there. We'll talk about it. But yes, and we get Christopher Walken as the partner who I wrote down has no lines so far. He gets one line, like, on the phone or something like that. Very minimal. But they end up reassuring her that all these people that she's like, they're living here. I've seen them. They're like, "Uh, all the people you're describing are murderers. Well, they find out later that, yes, that's the case. They keep finding out that the people she's talking about are murderers that are already dead, right? Meanwhile, Chris Sarandon takes her back to the apartment and walks her through everything. And you think, maybe he's fucking with her. She says, the carpet's changed. And I thought, oh, maybe he swapped out the carpet or whatever. Like, he's doing something to fuck with her. But then they have the moment with the books, where she's like, all these books are in Latin. And I'm like, oh, man, he's fucking with her. He's like, no, they're all in English, right? And she's like, no, they're in Latin. And they say the same thing over and over again. And I'm like, oh, man, he totally had these books printed all in Latin. And he's claiming they're in English. What a fucked up guy. And then we see the books. 
and we see that, yes, it is, in fact, English. I thought that was a good little moment of tension. Yes. Like, what's going on here? This yeah. is where I'm saying you get this emotional roller coaster with Chris Sarandon's character. He ends up writing down what she is saying. She's reading the Latin that she sees in the books. He's writing it down. And it is very clearly not the English that we see on the page. Yeah. But before we figure out where that, what that Latin is, you skip a scene where she goes to a church and I just want to bring it oh, up yeah. because it's kind of funny. She's talking to the to the priest and she's confessing, even though they're not in a confessional, confessional yeah, uh-huh. which, okay. She's like, I've committed adultery. I've tried to kill myself twice, uh-huh. but I think I should do it again because I've stabbed my dad who's already, already dead. dead. Yes. The stuff that comes out of her mouth here. <laughs> is incredible and he doesn't flinch because we've seen him before and this is another little wrinkle in the story right he's the guy that jose ferrer was talking to who said he would take care of everything right so we know he's involved in some sort of church conspiracy and he's also here but this isn't his parish right like he doesn't actually work here we'll find out later He just happened to be there because he was watching her, and then he pretends that he's the priest there. Yes, and this is where he says God has a purpose for all of us. Yes. And suddenly everything is clicking into place. Yeah. But yeah, so Chris Sarandon is going to take the Latin that she wrote down to a professor and be like, can you explain what this is? This is a really weird scene. This is the detective from Psycho. It's a really weird scene. But he translates it and explains that it's from Paradise Lost. To thee thy course by lot is given, charge and strict watch, that to this happy place no evil thing approach or enter in, which is from Paradise Lost. So she's supposed to become the sentinel and protect the world. Yes, this gateway to hell basically. That's what the Sentinel is, which is why, like, it's weird that you call this movie the Sentinel. I was expecting there to be a Sentinel. And so when we have this priest who's blind, who stays watch all day, I'm like, oh, he's the Sentinel, right? And then she's going to be the new Sentinel because that's how these things work. And it just seemed very obvious that that was the plot that it was going for. But how it got there, I thought was entertaining. So anyway, this is all we get of Martin Balsam, by the way. He is gone after this. (laughs) But yes, Allison finds out that the priest she confessed to doesn't work at the church, which is kind of nuts. It's an added little wrinkle that, I guess, adds to the air of conspiracy, but doesn't really mean much plot-wise. Here's a part that also added to the weirdness of Chris Sarandon's character. Like, you find out he's willing to do bad things to get his way and to get things done. But at the same time, he's doing it for Allison. He's doing it for Allison. So you're not mad about it in the moment. Yes. He ends up. So he goes to the diocese, right? The, the, the church offices that look over this area. Right. And asks about, what is it? The Halloran, right? The guy in the window. And they're like, no, 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 what you're talking about, you know, whatever. And and waves him away. He's going to come back later with William the Blessing Hinky, who we did not mention earlier in the cast list. Uh, <laughs> and because he's like another doer that he knows. And you're like, man, he knows a bunch of shady fucking people, right? And he breaks him back into the church offices so he can look through their files. And what he finds is a long line of people that, one, aren't living great lives. Two, attempt suicide but fail. Three, disappear Four, reappear. Five, as a nun or a priest. William O'Rourke, Father Howard. 
William O'Rourke disappeared July 12, 1952, after attempted suicide. They're the same man. William O'Rourke became a priest named Halloran. Yes, but why? I just opened doors. Before Halloran, there was Father David Spinetti, who started life as Andrew Carter. Declared missing, Carter reappeared as Spinetti and died the day that Halloran started life as a priest. Before him, Mary Thorin becomes Sister Mary Angelica. All of these people, going back for years, lived ordinary lives. And then came priests or nuns. All of them, sometime or another, attempted suicide. So, like, oh my God, this guy used to be just some average jackass he tried to kill himself he failed he disappeared he reappeared blind as a new person with a new name and now he's a priest and he's like what's going on and then he sees allison as a before there is no after yet she's going to become sister teresa tomorrow yes it's scheduled for tomorrow allison parker sister teresa Attempted suicide meets Michael Lerman's second attempted suicide on the death of Lerman's wife. July 17, 1976. These files are right. Father Matthew Halloran dies the same day that Allison Parker disappears and becomes Sister Teresa. This is why he ends up asking Allison's friend to watch over her that night and he can't be there. Because everyone will assume that he did it. Right. Because he knows she's going to disappear. He needs to, one, try to find a way to stop it. And two, if it happens, not be there. (laughs) Like, that's what's important. (laughs) So he's thinking about this sort of thing. He's a little bit fucking shady. Yes. But... Like, at the same time, you you don't want this to happen to Allison. Right. You want her to be okay. So you're like, save her. And also, at the same time, why do they all have to have attempted suicide? Why is that important? Oh, we'll get to that. So one thing I left out, though, is that there there is like this long line of people that this happens to. The next person disappears and then reappears the same time that the previous person dies. Yes. So, yes, it is a replacement thing that's happening here. Why they have to be replaced, I don't know. Well, because eventually they get all their energy sapped from them over time and they they end up dying, right? Uh, I have written down here that the police find the info of everyone that Allison claims she met and they're all murderers and they're all dead. <laughs> Do they actually say that? Yes. They say that they take away their energy. Oh, that? I know. I so imagine you're just making case. that up. Sure, yeah. I just want to point out that you had to make a puzzle piece for that. Yes. Okay. But I think that's a fair assumption. Right. But. They have a very tough job that saps them physically. But you can't say that that's an easy thing to come to because, like I said, they are ancient the moment they become these nuns. These you're right. Neat nuns Because I think that's supposed to be creepy. We're supposed to see our main character look creepy now but and how that's does supposed that help you us. understand that they're I agree. taking away their energy i agree it's sloppy uh but yes the police find out that everyone she talked to that she met at that cat's birthday party are all murderers and they're all dead 
So the night of that she's going to disappear, that Sarandon figured that out, he goes to the house. He leaves her at the party with her friend Jennifer, and this is where Jeff Goldblum is again. She's going to faint again, and then when they leave her in a bedroom to rest, she runs away. She has to go back to that house. She feels compelled, right? When Sarandon shows up at the apartment complex, he finds... I forget where it was, but he finds a plaque that has that quote from Latin, but it's in English. And then it also has abandon all hope ye who enter here, which is also very famous from Paradise Lost. It's a sign posted at the gateway to hell, right? Abandon hope all ye who enter here. He finds Halloran and like an insane person, but again, he's not getting his way. And so he resorts to violence. He attacks Halloran and starts choking him out. Because Halloran is not giving him the information he wants. At which point he is attacked by someone else. And we don't see who. He's hit over the head. Do you know who? I, I wrote down likely the priest. There's really no way to know. And they don't. It could be anyone. It could be Charles Chazen for all we know. I don't know. But why, I guess, to make her more compelled to join them? Yeah. Like, yeah, I guess if the priest did that, that would be the case. It's like, listen, your life is completely gone. And you feel compelled to do this. Just give in. What? What are you giving me that look for? What are you talking about? If the priest did it, killed her boyfriend? As in one more reason why she should just give up. Right, but why would the priest want her to? The priest wouldn't want her to. He wants her to give in to becoming the sentinel. Oh, I thought the reason that... Chazen might have done yeah, it. Yeah, Chazen did it. To give her... To, yes, to they, give her reason they to all want her them. to give up. <laughs> but anyway, Allison runs into Chris Sarandon, but we also see Jezebel. Which was my indication right away before it gets revealed that Sarandon's dead. But he I does. This was a really good moment. It is, and where he he like kind of explains everything to her. It's a yes. little bit of an exposition dump, but it's creepy, and you're like, wait, what's happening? Here? And it's well done. Yeah, and he will proceed to sort of tell her the plot of everything that's happening here, and then reveal the fact that he's dead. So we find out that you know you're going to become the next Sentinel. They were trying to make you go crazy so you would kill yourself. So that you would not become the Sentinel. Yes. So, again, my question is, why does it have to be someone who killed, who tried to kill themselves? Okay. Because that makes it really easy on these people. Well, obviously, they've never been successful. Maybe. But it gives them something to work for to yes. try to win. It's Constantine. You're going to hell. Would you like to earn your way back into heaven? But that's not in Constantine. They tell him over and over again, you're not going to win your way back. But he tries to, he continues to try to do good deeds to eventually win his way back. And at the end of the Constantine movie, he does. He goes to heaven. He is on his way to heaven before the devil cures his cancer and then keeps him alive, right? And then makes it his business to keep him alive and torture him on earth as opposed to letting him die so he gets to go to heaven, right? So this is the same sort of thing. People who commit suicide, that needs to happen first. Then the church finds you. As somebody who has committed suicide, you are a potential sentinel. Or attempted suicide, I should say. You are a potential sentinel because you're not going to heaven because you attempted suicide. But you do have some sort of religious drive in you that you might earn your way back into heaven or do something for God to make up for the fact that you profaned against him. 
Because if if you did something good, if you were a good person, if you were going to get into heaven anyway, why would you need to do any of this stuff, right? Like, it's it, it seems pretty straightforward to me. Does that make sense? I suppose. But I really love his line where he says, you know, I was killed. I've been damned forever for my sins. I had my wife killed. I am one of legion. Oh, yeah. No, this is it. So I have it written down what he said. You don't understand. I was killed by Monsignor Francino for trying to strangle Father Howard. So it is the priest. Mm. I'm damned to eternal hell for my sins. For having Brenna murder my wife. I am one of the legion. But man, you can see the strings that rip off his scars. I bet back in the 70s that looked so killer. But in a high-definition screen, they have these scars sort of appear on his face, and you've seen it in several movies. They have strings off-screen, and they rip it off, right? And it looks like the scars are just appearing. Classic movie magic. But you can see, like, the fish line or whatever it is. So this is when it's going to kind of ramp up, and this is the, the scene where some people uh... have said that it's very similar to The Shining. She's going to be running through the complex, and she's going to be running into these scary scenes. But the problem is is that these scary scenes are not, you know, maybe you would think that she would see the murderers, like, do- committing their acts of murder. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? Right? But no. Nope, nope. nope. You're going to see a bunch of people with deformities. Cool. I wrote down, not a big fan of the exploitation of the deformed and disabled horror angle. I'm also not a fan of the loose ends at this point. Why is this house a gateway to hell? Why are her dad and his lovers there? Because they're going to be something he sees, I guess. And the cops, they just disappear from the story after they tell the audience that all the people that she's seen are murders. But they just disappear from the story after that. So... They're all going to converge on her. They're going to try to make her commit suicide. This is when the priest is going to show up and be like, don't, don't go to hell. Uh huh. Be so, for, forgiven by so God. So she decides not to commit suicide or not to attempt it for a third time, at which point Burgess Meredith is like, God, God damn it. All right, everyone, get back to your holes. Get out of here. Go. She fucking, she's going to do it. She's a new sentinel now. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird seeing Burgess Meredith do that. <laughs> like, even when he is grumpy, he's Mick and he's lovable. But mm-hmm. here he's a demon. Mm-hmm. That's what uh, Sarandon said to us, is that they are all reincarnations of murderers. They are devils. But anyway. Then we cut to the lady bringing in a couple. And well, they knock down the building there. and they remodel it entirely, but that doesn't change. the. So it has nothing to do with the building. It's the physical location. Right, but they rebuild it up to a new apartment building. And yes, Nana Visitor and Tom Berenger show up, and Ava Gardner shows them the new place, tells them that I think she says that there's just a, a blind nun and a violin player. So there's mm-hmm. somebody else living here now. Mm-hmm. Which again, why are they populating it full of people if Ava Gardner knows what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Why are they putting more people in this place? Very confusing. But we needed some form of like, oh, the new people that come in. and But this is like, again, right afterwards, she's not going to die anytime soon. How how quickly do they die? That's I don't what I'm know. saying. If we go back to, maybe they get sapped of energy that quickly. If we go back to that scene where Chris Sarandon is looking through the files, maybe we get dates. And the dates are like, you know, a couple years. Mm-hmm. Who knows? 
but are you gonna have are we gonna have two sentinels do they only need to turn one of them so they think their odds are better because there's two of them plus the violinist or whatever i don't know jeffrey convitz apparently the writer of the novel said that when we got the people with the physical disabilities and deformities showing up at the end to be the demons he described it as the the film as having gone from subtle and scary to unsubtle and gross and I agree. I don't know if I think gross the same way he means it, though. He might mean, ew, gross. But I mean, like, oh, really? That's gross that you did that. You know? Mm-hmm. It's disappointing, for sure. Mm-hmm. But I was totally enraptured the entire time. I was really into it, which is why that was so disappointing when I got to that point. I hadn't written the movie off. Uh, I really liked it. I enjoyed myself. But it has its problems, not the least of which is that it's trying to be something and it doesn't know why or how to do that. And so it's just like throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's definitely not Rosemary's Baby. No. (laughs) No, it is not. That said, what do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? Is it 74? No. Oh. It's 50%. Oh, 50. Oh, wow. Yeah, out of 20 reviews only. So there is no consensus statement. It's Metacritic. Now, you got to keep in mind, this is only five reviews on Metacritic. So I don't know if you could really say that this is a consensus at all. But the average rating is 19. <laughs> yikes. Really yikes. Like, really, really yikes. Jesus, I think that that's... I don't Very know, there's low. a problem there. There's That's way underrated. That said, what would you give it? I'm going to give it a 62. Oh, you know I'm going higher than that. The ending really puts you off a lot. I agree. And uh, that sucks. And I thought that there was, like I said, you might get the impression that, like, uh, the reason these women are considered evil is because they're lesbians. Because that's it's, what, that's not the case. They're murderers, right? But what what's do they, the lesbianism about? Exactly. What do they? Why do they keep focusing on that? Yeah, uh-huh. Why? Because they want. Because it's weird. It's, it's weird titillating. Uh-huh. You know that kind of stuff. Why? Why have the guy committing this weird adultery? Because it's titillating. You know, and that bothers me. Like it bothers sure. me that you made these decisions not because and maybe they are in the book but i'd say the same thing about the book i don't know i'd also say that the ending like the whole point the twist of, oh my god she's going to become the new sentinel of this gateway to hell kind of saw it coming from a mile away because you named the fucking movie the sentinel <laughs> right so i don't know but i i could have given this high 70s i'm going to give it low 70s i will give it a 71 it doesn't dip into the 60s for me but it could have been a lot higher if it didn't sort of like, you know, spike the ball at the one yard line. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so that's kind of a bummer. But I thoroughly enjoyed myself throughout my watching experience. Um, I felt confused throughout a lot of it. Yeah. And that also really hurt my appreciation for it. Mm-hmm. Thinking about it, re-talking about it, I'm like, okay, it makes a lot more sense now. But while I was watching it, I was constantly just like, why? Why are these decisions being made? I don't understand. (laughs) So I didn't really enjoy myself. Okay. Well, that is our classic film, 1977's The Sentinel. Moving on to our modern film, 2011's The Innkeepers, written and directed by Ty West, who we've had on the show a couple times in the past. He did House of the Devil, which we loved. He played a character in Your Next as well. Who was he? The boyfriend. 
Not the boyfriend who was responsible for oh. it. He dies early on. Oh. Oh, the like n- nerdy film guy that like, like is asking for money yeah. from the, her, uh-huh. his fucking girlfriend's yes. family. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and he recently released X, which is getting absolutely killer reviews. Like, really good reviews. So I really want to watch that. But the movie stars Sarah Paxton, Pat Healy, and Kelly McGillis. Kelsey, what is The Innkeepers about? A hotel is going out of business, and there's only two people handling it for a whole weekend, which we'll talk about that situation. And they're going to try to prove that this place is haunted before it goes out of business. Just as like a fun sort of like For their website. Yeah, uh uh-huh. The movie is available with a subscription to Peacock and plenty of other two random syllable services. You can rent it for $3 or buy it for 5 to 10 It is $5 to buy on Amazon and Vudu. Should people watch The Innkeepers? Not unless you want to be disappointed. I say you can give it a pass. Yeah. Uh, this movie was recommended to us by Jeffrey, who's recommended a lot of films in the past of various quality. Some movies we've really enjoyed, some movies we haven't. I think, really, he just wants to hear what we have to say about certain movies. I was really looking forward to this I was this movie. really looking forward to this movie. I was really, really looking forward we to this We loved House of the Devil, mm-hmm. which was Ty West, mm-hmm. which he did before this movie. Mm-hmm. So you would think... The bar was very high. <laughs> and he did not come anywhere close to that Not bar. anywhere close. I was thoroughly bored by this movie. Yeah, this movie was not good. I don't get what... I've heard people say things about this movie. Like, we also had heard things, right, that were good about this movie. And so we're like, oh, great. Another Ty West movie that's getting positive buzz. This will be awesome. No. (laughs) It just wasn't. I don't understand what people see in this movie. I had a lot. I had a very hard time believing this was written by the same person. Right. It is insane to me that the same person wrote these This is a person. To make House of the Devil, you have to understand Filmmaking, 70s film and 70s horror so much that I cannot believe that that same person made a movie that seems like he has no idea why a movie would do what it does. Mm-hmm. Again, it feels like a movie that just throws things at the wall that it, that it thinks a movie should have and then sees what sticks. It has no idea why something might stick, why it might be good, why it might be scary, why we might care about the plot, why we might care about the characters. Anything in this movie is just, it feels like, oh, because you're supposed to put that in a horror movie and not for any good reason. Supremely disappointing. And this was another one where the main actress isn't great. I thought she was okay. It's really hard to get into movies where your main actor, you're just the whole time, you're just like, I don't like these decisions you're making. Like, I feel like I'm a director. You know, I've I've been a director, so I'm just like, why? What was this director thinking? So have I, but it's probably because I'm a straight dude that, like, I don't know. I thought she was charming. She was adorable in a way. That, you know, I don't... Anyway... It wasn't anything that, like, stood out to me as, like, a commanding performance or really that. It's something that, like, oh, I'm interested in these people. They're they're charming, right? And then, okay, I'm going to pay attention to them now. And then they do nothing with that, right? They It's like, oh, well, I'm kind of, kind of bummed that I took the effort to pay attention now. You know, like, that's how this movie feels. It's a movie that has a lot of potential and then squanders 
I would say literally all of it. There's one or two scenes in here that are kind of scary. But you don't know why. Right. Like, does it make sense? I mean, unless the place is evil, which they don't ever make you think this place is evil. So why do these ghosts become evil when they die yes, here? It is like a fucking hour into the movie before the first ghostly thing even fucking happens. Yes, there is a lot of time where nothing happens. And and we get three scares in a row. Our first three scares are all jump scares and they're all fake out jump scares. But it's I like, will come say on, Ty this, West. I thought more of you. But I will say this. He he did, like, at the end, even though I didn't know why, even though I was like, why is this character doing this thing? I was legitimately on the edge of my seat at the end. And it's like, but he understands technically what to do, but, this like, is my point. story-wise. He has no idea why, <laughs> it seems like. Yeah. Why would this character behave in this way? Why would these ghosts have this effect? Why would they be this way? What's the ghost motivation for being evil? Is there any? No. Were they slighted in some way? I guess you could say this about the main ghost that they talk about. Why would the ghost feel compelled to play the piano? <laughs> Why would they also, in addition to being compelled to play the piano, want to kill people that worked there? <laughs> like, I guess for revenge, kind of. But not really. They did not really even firmly establish what the great... She died there, wasn't killed, just happened to die there. No, she killed herself. Oh, she killed herself there. She yeah, okay, there herself. you go. And then they hid her body. They didn't tell anyone that she died. That's the great fucking offense? That's what started all of this? Well, and also she's never been violent in any way. Right! Why does the guy at the end suddenly become evil? I don't know. I, it's weird. <laughs> it just make a lot of sense. So yes, it's a disappointing film. I would say that that knows what a horror movie looks like. It's like if you ask somebody to design a car and they're like, well, it has doors and it has wheels and there is a steering device and it's made out of metal and fiberglass. Like, yes, all those things are right. But then they draw you a picture and it's nonsense. That, that's sort of what it feels like. They have no idea why a car would have any of those parts. They just know that it does. That's what it feels like. Anyway, you can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 2011's The Innkeepers. Do you know the story of Madeline O'Malley? She was the woman that died here in the hotel. This is our last weekend open, so we've got to find some proof that the ghost really exists. I have my microphone so we can make do with EVP investigations. What was that? You mustn't go down into the basement. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does The Innkeepers begin? With a title card for chapters. This is going to be told in three chapters in an epilogue, and I'm not sure why. There's no point. It doesn't seem to be any point. There's no clear delineation between what counts as one chapter and what counts as another. Um, why it's separated into chapters also isn't clear. Just seems like a cool thing to do, I guess. I, it could have been more, because it's not about scenes. Mm -hmm. It's not about big events happening, because a big event will happen halfway through a chapter, and then the chapter just keeps going. And then you just decide, ah, this is probably a good chapter break. It's not even a good frequency, even. Right? Like, at least one that even makes sense or resonates in any way. Don't know why they did this other than to have a title card. 
Yeah. Again, something that a movie does that might be cool, but I'm not sure why. <laughs> That's what I was saying. But so it's called the first chapter is The Long Weekend. Uh-huh. So they're going out of business. And the guy who owns the place is in Barbados and does not want to be disturbed, all right? The point is, there's only two people handling this place for an entire weekend, which, do they not serve food? It's a pretty shitty hotel if it doesn't have any fucking food inside of it. Yeah, I don't get this. I don't. They're still open for one more weekend, and people are still staying there. Yeah, they they have a mom and a son staying there, and then pointless. Uh, what? Pointless. Yes, pointless. And then quickly they will get a woman showing up to stay for the weekend. An old actress who's staying there who has nothing to do. Hey, guess what? Find out has nothing to do with her being an actress. She she is into spirits, but it has nothing to do with her being into spirits. It just happens to be close to the convention that she's going to. She is, yeah, she is two separate characters put into one, and I'm not sure why they decided to do that. They uh-huh. just didn't want to have an extra actor. I don't know, but they have, this woman will have wild emotional changes. Right. I mean, you'd think there would be like an archetype of the the faded film star and who's kind the, of a bitch? Yes, and the the hippie who's into spirituality, right? Who might not be a who bitch. wants to help everyone? Yes, uh huh. But nope, this is the same lady, and for some reason, she wants to help everyone, and she's also a total bitch. Yes. What? <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. And then eventually there will be a man. But the point is, guys, for an entire weekend, it's two people. There. Who is cleaning the rooms? Who is taking care of the food? I mean, fuck, they have to yell at this guy for not ever bringing them towels. Right. Like, it's, it's the simplest fucking thing. That makes me not like these characters. That you can't accomplish the most basic fucking task in a seven-hour shift. No, it's a 12-hour shift. It's seven oh, to seven. Oh, seven to seven? Okay, yeah. Which uh-huh. I was like, geez, that's a long shift, but fine. I Maybe that's how hotels are run. I don't fucking know. But then she's helping him while he's on his shift, and then he'll go to bed leaving her completely alone, but then he'll wake up randomly and be like, okay, I'll take two hours. What what is happening? It is is so random. He goes to bed because he's so tired, like, twice in one day. Yeah, it's hard to tell when the days are. Why even talk about the shifts if you're not going to follow some sort of structure at all? Mm Mm-hmm. I, it's confusing. But yes, the fact that in a 12-hour shift, you can't get one fucking room their towels makes me kind of hate you. Yeah, makes me not like you at all. You just want to sit there working on your shitty-ass website, which, by the way, guys, when I say shitty-ass website, it is a shitty website. It's like and a GeoCities Apparently, website. he did it fucking on purpose, like the, the uh, Ty West did. Because he wanted to show that this act, this character is a, like a lame character. I'm like, great. So I don't like this person for anything. Right. He spends all this, all his time getting paid for a job he doesn't do to make a really shitty website. Mm-hmm. Why do I like this person? Oh, right. I don't. Right. He's not even that funny. He's just kind he's not of, funny. He's just kind of miserable. Yeah. He just has a big crush on the girl he works with, which is super awkward and uncomfortable. And nothing comes of it either. It doesn't, there's no confrontation. <laughs> he tells her once and when she just drunk, kind of doesn't and then, respond. Then they, they move on, which is fine. I understand that that's, that's potentially a response that somebody might have to that sort of thing. But 
it has no impact on the plot or the characters or anything. It just makes it awkward and uncomfortable the whole time. Right. For no reason. And I don't know if she's supposed to be oblivious to it or if she just pretends not to see it. I don't know. I would assume it's a little column A, a little column B. She seems to be just like this sort of happy-go-lucky young woman who... Has no ambition about anything. Right, but also doesn't... doesn't it, it would never occur to her that this guy that she's friends with might be interested in anything more. But also, I think if it did occur to her, she'd probably just play it off like it wasn't so she wouldn't have to deal with it. Which all seems like reasonable things that a human being might do. I don't really have a problem with her. I know you do, though, right? You don't like her? I think she's a, not a great actress. She's fine. She's not a lot is asked of her. She has weird looks sometimes. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. She's... She makes odd choices. But anyway, she like encourages him for his shitty website. And I'm upset about this, guys, because remember, Ty West does an incredible job of putting you in a time period like he did with the House yes. on the Left. I mean, the, the, the um, House of the Devil. House of the Devil. Yeah. And I was like, is that what's happening here? Are we being put in like the year 2000? Right. Because there are no Just cell around phones. around turn of the century. Yeah. yeah. Like I was like, okay, I can do that. But then you find out, no. No, specifically, that's meant to show you that he's a very uncreative character. Oh. Right. Okay. And nobody carries around a cell phone because they didn't think it was necessary? Why not just put it in the year 2000? Let me tell you something about this. They, they establish in this very first scene that his camera doesn't work. He's waiting for a camera to be fixed. And so all they have is audio recording equipment, right? So they might get some electronic voice phenomena, right? But they can't record any video. That's a stipulation now. It's a restriction. But if they had cell phones, they could record video. So the idea that, no, it's not set in a particular time. It's just that they figured they didn't need to use their cell phones. You established that they would record video if they could. But they can't. So obviously they don't have cell phones. I feel like that's a bullshit response. I think it is. Again, he's going for an aesthetic and doesn't know why. Whereas... House of the Devil is a very specific aesthetic, and it fucking nails it. It's baffling to me how somebody who did that could swing and miss so hard on this one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. And he even shows her one of those stupid pop-up videos. Wasn't that an early 2000s thing, or was that a mid... Was that like a 2010 thing? Yeah, that's like old-school internet jokes so that's one of our first scares we get it's oh i i have this old video where there's a ghost by this chair and you can watch it and, and both kelsey and i were oh it's gonna be one of those jump scare videos and sure enough it was you sit there the whole movie stops so we can watch a fucking jump scare video from well, 1998 I guess, right i guess like, that was a real shot right like she didn't know what she was looking for either and i think it, she did she just didn't wasn't expecting it and oh. got actually scared by it i i think that i don't know i guess i'm i felt like maybe he was trying to go for to make it real for the actress so that mm. it would be real for us and she does react her her reaction is fun but again like if she's into this stuff, and that's going to be, I feel like this girl who's into this stuff would be well aware of these videos yes. and would be expecting this. Uh-huh. So, like, what is it? Is she oblivious or is she into it? And what? that's, 
gonna be an issue that you're gonna have with the main guy, too. Like, the only thing he has going for him that makes him interesting to this girl is that he has seen ghosts, and he's into ghosts. Like, his his website is all about the ghosts of the website, I mean, the ghosts of the inn that they keep. But the weird thing is, guys, we're only gonna hear about one ghost? Yeah. For the hotel? Mm-hmm. There's just one, as far as the lore is concerned. And all that happened to her... The story goes. Do you know the story of Madeline O'Malley? She was the woman that died here in the hotel. She hung herself after her fiancé stood her up on their wedding day. The original owners of the hotel thought it would be bad press and hurt the business. So, they hid her dead body in the wood cellar for three days before they could smuggle her out onto the loading bay. And the people of the town finally figured out what had happened here. They were outraged. So, the owners had to close the hotel down and were forced to sell it. Nobody came through here again until the 60s. And ever since then, people have reported seeing the ghost of Madeline O'Malley roaming the hallways waiting for her lover. Some say she's even looking to take up a new one. Like, that is all that happened. And now, it was, she... like, opening week of the hotel or something like that, and they were afraid oh. of the bad publicity, so they just hid her body in the basement. That is the great offense that causes the haunting of the entire hotel. Which is fine. I've been to plenty of hotels that claim to be haunted for, kind, you know, similar for things. Yeah. For reasons that are kind of like but, this. But you know what? Those places aren't actually fucking haunted either. This movie is trying to establish that this place is haunted, though. Right. But what exactly? So they ha- they should have had a better story. Like this yes. felt like a fake story. But here's the thing: she will tell this story to one of to the kid. Why are you telling this to the kid? It yeah. is such a weird, weird things, weird things yep. in this movie. So she's telling the story to the kid, and she's trying to make it scary. So she says the story goes: she walks up and down the hallways looking for a new lover. But that's not what happens either. It isn't. That's not what we end up seeing. So what the hell is going on with this haunting? The movie doesn't seem interested in figuring Why it out. Why would we think that she would be scary in any way? And if she's not supposed to be scary, then why does this movie frame the haunting as scary? And why does what happens at the end happen? You can write anything. You can come you can up write with anything. any story. Anything. You could have come up with a reason for why she's evil and looks crazy and stuff. Or maybe she's justified in looking for vengeance, right? Yes. But no, nothing. Nothing. It's very odd. Yeah, like, the... <laughs> The plot line to the haunted mansion is more interesting, it's more compelling than what we get here. <laughs> where we have, like, the bride who kills all of her new husbands. She's like a Black Widow character. It's interesting because she's a fucking murderer. She's It's not even much of a story, but it's compelling in some way. This, not compelling whatsoever. She's a sad lady who committed suicide in a hotel. End well, of that, story. You could say the same thing about The Shining, but the difference with The Shining is that it's on evil ground. The, right. the place is evil, and so it causes the the people who die there to become evil. And if that's what you want to say about your inn, your hotel, then you need to say that. Right. Also, this is supposed to be like a really old location. Man, the fodder for material. Anything could have, like, fucking anything could have happened here in real life. 
I bet you go to the location where this was filmed and something more interesting happened on that location <laughs> in real life. Come on. Anyway. Yes, she tells the kids so the mom freaks out. She's also pissed off because she's not getting the towels. When do they leave? Oh, because she comes out and she's not wearing pants. <laughs> it's kind of a funny moment. She just runs out because she's scared. And the, the mom with her kid, she's like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> and that's the only purpose that the mom and the kids serve, by the way. Yes. Is they just get upset at the antics of these two people and then they leave. But she's allowed to tell the story to the kid. That's how we hear that story. I think we hear it a couple times, though, to be perfectly honest. But anyway, the second guest is apparently an old actress who... Was in like a sitcom or something. Yeah, she was on a TV show and she was in a movie that this main girl loved when she was a kid. So she's really excited to meet her. And when she first meets her, she's kind of a standoffish bitch. Which, okay, that's the character you've created here. All right. But now you're going to completely do a U-turn, a total 180, and just completely change. I feel like I have to, to stress this. She is here because she's into spirituality and ghosts and and readings and psychic shit, right? And there's a convention nearby. A healing convention. She's a healer, supposedly. The reason she's there has nothing to do with, with the, the hotel. It's, it's a haunted hotel. Nothing at all. Yeah. But I mean, that's kind of the idea is that it's not very famous, so they want to make it famous, I guess. And what does she do in the story? Like, what does she actually do? Oh, we'll talk about that. I have lots of things to say, but we're not there yet. Okay. When was aggro a word people were using? Aggro's been a word for a while. I don't know. At one point, they have, they have the... They have the most awkward conversations, the two of them, because mm. I'm telling you, she's not a good actress, and it just feels so awkward and not very realistic. But she's like, I think this weekend's going to be it. What? Uh, I think that we're going to, you know, really show that the place is haunted or whatever. And then she says something. Like, he's not, he never gives her the enthusiasm she's looking for. Uh -huh. And you're wondering the entire movie why. His thing is being sardonic. Well, <laughs> you find out later, and this is what I started to realize. Uh -huh. I was like, oh, he just made everything up just to impress her. Yes. Uh -huh. Even though it seems like she got into it because, because of him. Because he was into it already? Yes, it Weird. does. So what is it? Chicken yeah. or the egg? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, like, she says something about, like... I forgot to start the towels. I'll get them. Good. Save me the ulcer. That Gail 225 is driving me nuts. I don't want her to see me. Ooh, the lady with the, with the kid? I know, what's her deal? She's giving me total aggro vibes upstairs. I was like, what? Aggro is an old gaming term that then spread. It's a nerd term. It was weird. And then it spread further out in culture. It, it felt out of place. Did not feel like something she would actually say. But so they get a phone call from the actress asking for the towels. And when she goes up there... She delivers the towels right away, by the way, which is even more like, okay, and you couldn't deliver the towels to the other couple? Like, I know she's excited about this actress and she wants to meet her and that's why, but like two birds. Like, you are now going out of your way to not help this woman and her kid. Yes. Who, by the way, are staying at the hotel because she's escaping her shitty husband. And then at the end, she says, you guys fucking suck. I'm going back to my husband. Oh, it's terrible. Well, she could have gone to another place. But it's funny. No, but they, it's a joke. She's going to go back to her 
who is suggested to be abusive or awful I think all husband. they said was that they had had a fight. I think that's all they said. She had a huge fight with her husband, and she's staying here till Sunday with her son as payback. She's having a very hard time, and she wants him to realize how hard his life is without her. But, like, there's still an implication, right? There's a reason why she wants to be... She She's taking her child away from this man and decides it's better to go back to him than to deal with these two. And we're supposed to like them? I don't know. Anyway. But when she goes up to deliver the towels and she is a bitch to her, I thought it was interesting that the woman could reach... I guess she doesn't have to be in the shower. Yeah, no, she just reaches outside. Okay, it felt like she was reaching from the shower through the door. I was like, how tiny is this bathroom? It might be pretty tiny, who knows? I don't know. But yeah, she's just there. He's like, hand me the towel directly. And then hangs out in her towel. Yeah, uh uh-huh, in front of this woman. I guess, you know, in order to give her a tip, like, I believe that. Well, that was weird, too. She, like, wouldn't take the tip, and I was like, isn't that... Your job? Isn't that kind of standard? Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. like, what? I don't know. Anyway, the reason she's such a bitch to her is she points out to this girl, basically, that she has zero ambition to do anything with her life. That the girl does. That yes. our main character does. Yes. Also weird that she would even bring it up, but I guess she sees something. She senses something in her. Maybe. She has no future. Literally. Mm, that's true. At some point, somebody says something about Nobody Loves an Albatross, and I was like, why do I know that name? Uh And I thought about it for like two seconds, and I was like, Rosemary's Baby. He was in two plays called Luther and Nobody Loves an Albatross, and a lot of television and radio. And that's what I, her. That's the like, play that's that her a, husband was in. Right. It's a real play. That's Yeah, but that's gotta be a reference. <laughs> it's gotta be a reference. It has to be a reference. That'd be a pretty huge coincidence. I have never heard the name of this play Ever, except for in Rosemary's Baby. Yes. So why would somebody use it as just a general throwaway reference if it's not a reference that anybody would get? And guys, don't think that it's super cool that we remember this one thing. It's a line that Rosemary says a lot Uh to make up for the fact that her husband is a failed actor. Yes, uh uh-huh. She says the three things he's been in, and one of them is nobody (laughs) loves an albatross, so she says it a bunch of times. Anyway, she then has to go next door to get coffee. For a totally pointless scene with Lena Dunham. Why is this in this movie? <sighs> Where the girl at the coffee shop talks to her about her relationship here's problems. The thing, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Lena Dunham is talented and she has potential. But she is fucking insufferable. That said, it was pointless that she was in this fucking movie. What? Let alone, not not only just the fact that Lena Dunham was in it, but that the character was in it at all. Yes! She just is unloading her relationship problems on our main character, and then it cuts to back at the hotel, and... She didn't even get the coffee! And I'm like, is that supposed to mean that she was so annoyed that she didn't take the coffee? What? But why is it important that she didn't get the coffee? It's not. And we will never talk about this woman ever again. Yes! He mentions, oh, is is the annoying barista still there or whatever? And that's it. The whole entire scene for him to just reference the fact that that scene existed and it has zero impact on anything. It was like they were so excited to have an extra set that they just took the chance. It should have been a bottle movie. (laughs) They shouldn't have gone anywhere. (laughs) They also, and I don't know why he wants to fucking, okay, so this makes it not able to be in the 2000s is at some point 
somebody says, uh, fail blog, uh, epic. And it was unnecessary. And it it brought yeah. nothing except that it made it impossible for this to be set in the years in the early 2000s. I don't necessarily know that because like fail blogs and things like that, it, calling anything a blog is early 2000s. And, you know, like, fail compilations and, and other f- sites dedicated to... It's like he wrote it in 2000 and doesn't want to admit that he wrote it. Well, it's from t- 2011. Right. So it's not, like, that far off away from it. But, but like, there's still, a huge difference yes, between 2000 and 2011. Between, between, like, Y2K culture and... The internet and phones yeah, completely uh-huh. changed the culture five did, years yes. later. So, I don't know. Anyway... There's a bunch of weird shit in this movie. At one point, she's talking to him, and she's going to tell him something important. And remember, this is a girl he has a crush on, and all of a sudden, he interrupts her, and he goes, I'm going to go to bed. You know what really gets me, though? Hold that thought. My eyes feel like they've been doused with tabatillo. I need to go upstairs. What? I'm sorry, I'm dead. We can talk about your upcoming quarter-life crisis tomorrow. I just need to tap out right now. Fine. And then right. it never comes up again what she was going to tell right. him. He doesn't behave in such a way as, as somebody that is into this girl. And, yeah. has, and has an entire weekend to just hang out with her alone. He, he goes out of his way to act like he's not into her and doesn't want to spend time with her. It's the weirdest... Like, there's so many character inconsistencies in this way. Yes. And she asks to use his computer because she's going to be bored. And he doesn't bother to clear out his fucking cash. Uh, cash? Yeah. He, he's like, uh, I don't know. And then she's like, come on, what are you? And he says, okay, just like, don't download any viruses or whatever it is he says, right? And then she goes to his browsing history and sees that he goes to specific sites. Also, that's not what a, brow- a porn browsing history would even look like. <laughs> Telling like, you exactly what he's looking at. Well, yeah, but it, it's like straight to a video. Each page is straight to a video. Like, <laughs> okay, well, where is he going to get those links? How is does my husband know this so well? It's how any search would work. <laughs> you don't need to be that knowledgeable to know. It's such a cheap and stupid and meaningless and unfunny joke that she then gets to later on call him out for watching porn like he's a fucking deviant or something the like, internet is for porn. porn exactly <laughs> what like what's the joke here just so that oh girl- we can shame a guy like what what that's fun that's funny normal people don't, don't look, look at porn, porn on the internet oh really <laughs> you have no, no idea. idea ready normal people ready because he really ready. likes having a cue <laughs> How many times have you seen that? You and I saw it. I've only seen it live twice. You saw it with your dad once. My parents. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just my dad. That would be kind of weird. <laughs> then again, I did see the full Monty with yes, just my father. <laughs> just happened to be the week that my mom was sick. And we had play tickets. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Oh, we didn't mention it's kind of cute, but again, it does nothing to the story. They have this game where, like, if one person leaves and they run back and they try to hit the bell before the other person can cover it. Like, I thought that was going to go somewhere. I thought maybe the bell was going to go off at some point, but no one was there. Everyone, everyone, everyone knows the rule of threes. Right? You set up a concept... You reinforce the concept, then there's a twist on that concept. 
She looks, she sees that he has porn in his history. A couple scenes later, she jokes about it. End of thread. She runs and hits the bell before he can. Later on, a couple scenes later, he runs and tries to hit it and he fails. She's faster than he is. It's like, it's the rule of threes. <laughs> Where, why are, is there just a setup and then there's a variation? And he just keeps doing that. A setup and a variation, a setup and a variation. And it's, that's not how you reinforce a concept. And I don't know. It's, I cannot believe this person made House of the Devil. Yeah. Shocking. 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 <laughs> so then she's sitting there looking at his website, rereading information she already knows about the woman. But the audience the needs to see it, so... Yeah. Uh, but, like... But we really don't, because we were already told the story. And they're starting to set up kind of, I don't know, like, some she hears something or she sees something and the camera pans out and it's kind of turning on the suspense and then... But then the camera, like, turns... And she goes, whoa. And I was like, none of that was necessary. You were building really good suspense. I was on the edge of my seat. And then you just took all that tension away. Up to this point, there has not been, at least for me, one single legitimate scare. There are three scares. Um, my, my third scare comment I mentioned earlier is in chapter two. Have we made it to chapter two yet? Not yet. Right, We're right before chapter two. Because okay. she hears like banging or something. And then he wakes up and scares her because she's staring at where the banging is. That's jump scare number two. That's the first one. No, no, no. The first one is the video. Oh, oh the video. Yeah. So and this is jump scare number two. Guys, this is the middle of the night. And she is screaming her head off. Yeah. And I'm like, do the guests just not hear you? Is that not a thing here? And she keeps screaming for a while. Yeah. It's not just one, oh, you got me. No, it's over and over and over again. Yep. Meanwhile, again, there hasn't been a single legitimate scare yet. Chapter two, Madeline O'Malley. This is the woman who killed herself. It's a cool name. Yeah, sure. Madeline O'Malley. Too bad you did nothing with it. Yeah. This is when she's telling it to the kid, and that's when the mom gets pissed, and she's like, I'm tired of asking for the towels. And then the main girl is talking to the main guy about when he saw Madeline, and she's like, explain it to me again. And he's like, you had to be there, man. Like, it was like she was there, but then she just wasn't. Yeah. Because uh -huh. it didn't actually happen Because it's actually bullshit. Sure, yeah. And she's like, we've got to get something on tape. It's a moral imperative. I mean, imagine how she feels... Being stuck here forever. We gotta get something on tape. It's like a moral imperative. And this is the thing. It it uh, phrases like that are what key me into the idea that it's almost like this wants to be mumblecore horror. That it's just two young people who are counterculture or whatever, just hanging out and talking, but it's also a horror movie, and it just does not work. Using terms like, it's a moral imperative. Like, you know, is this supposed to be Reality Bites or a Kevin Smith movie or something? Like, what, what is this? Who talks like that? Who suggests that getting a recording, a sound recording of a ghost, how it's a moral imperative? Unless you're overwriting. Or the character could be overzealous, which she kind of is. I don't think that's... Zealotry. I think it's just trying to sound cool. Well, she's also that kind of character, yeah. too. But this is what I'm saying. It's like it wants to be... It's mumblecore horror, but it's it does not pull it off. 
sounds like you're making fun of Juno, right? Now. I, Juno is definitely sort of mum. So what, here's what mumblecore is. If you don't know, you might have heard the term. It's a style that really got popular in the '90s and then into the 2000s as well, where it's just like young people, a focus on conversation and the dramatic interactions that they have, but that are just normal. And there's less action and more talking. And, you know, it's a bunch of depressed people standing at a counter talking to each other about random shit, right? Like, that's mumblecore. That's what this feels like it wants to be. And it just does not work for a horror movie. I'm sorry. It might, but this one doesn't. There is a very real moment coming up, but it serves zero purpose. I'm talking about the scene where she takes the trash out. This is me. (laughs) It's the most real scene in the entire movie. (laughs) This is me 100%. I have done this. This has happened to me. She's just trying so desperately to take the trash out and put it in the dumpster. And not touch it. But, like, you have to open the lid and lift the trash at the same time, and it's just not working. Yep. It's it's it gets stuck at one point. Yes. It starts to drip. Like I was just like this. <laughs> this has happened to me. I think it's happened to anybody who's had to put a big trash bag <laughs> into a dumpster. And you don't want to touch it. I love that part about it. She's using as little like fingers as she can. But also think about like you need to lift the the lid of the dumpster, which she also doesn't want to get her whole hand but on. Even if you could lift it straight up, it's not high enough to keep the lid open on its own. Yes. So then you got to hold it with one hand and then then okay, how do you get the momentum going that with this heavy bag of trash? That you don't want to touch you or get anywhere yeah. near you. Like, yes. Yes, it is it is very real. Very very yes. real. But it doesn't But it means lead nothing. Anywhere. It means nothing. It she leads never goes to her out to seeing the chick Yes. And her saying hi to her and her being a bitch again yes. and not responding. And but you're that just could like, have ha- you could have accomplished that inside the hotel too. Yes. Uh-huh. Very strange. This is the next jump scare with the bird. Again, this is where I wrote getting real tired of these fake jump scares. This is the third one so far. Well, anyway, she she hears a banging, which she had heard the night before, which is why uh-huh. she got the second the other jump scare she was because she the heard door, the banging. And then Bird comes out and she freaks out. I thought it was gonna be a raccoon. I so did I. So I, mean, I was like, we "That's were, a raccoon." It was priming us for, and again, rule of threes, right? You set something up, you reinforce that thing, and then a twist. Well, this is our third jump scare, and no twist, unless you count it's a bird and not a raccoon. But like, uh, no, like you didn't mention that she has asthma, just like what's his face in the Goonies. And she only ever seems to take it just like what's his face in the Goonies when she gets scared. It's also pointless. Yeah, totally pointless. Doesn't lead. Does not factor in except for the fact that they find it later. But of course you would. She doesn't disappear at the end of the movie. (laughs) She doesn't disappear and leaves behind her inhaler. Listen, spoilers. She dies at the end of the movie. She's just dead. And then they're like, they found her inhaler. Yeah, you'll find find everything she owns. You'll find her keys, you'll find her purse, you'll find all that stuff. Who gives a shit? You might be thinking, well, what was the point of it for Sean Astin the Goonies? Uh, he gets rid of it. Which is terrible. Yeah, that, showing that, that he can overcome his asthma. That was really popular in the 80s, <laughs> and then it got more popular, the idea that you can overcome the need for your medication. What a terrible message to send to people. Or you can watch it, or it doesn't actually need it. Oh, yeah, where it's a placebo. At least that's a placebo and it's not doing anything. But the idea that, like, oh, throw out all my pills and live my life. Okay. Oh, such terrible advice. 
That night, the next time he's going to go to bed, the guy, he says, I got to kill the snake, which I thought was a reference to either sex or peeing. Peeing? I'm a pumpkin. I got to kill the snake. But yeah, he says it before he has to go to bed. I, I thought the same thing. He said it. And I don't know exactly what the term is right now. So I bet if we listen to it again, now that we have additional context, we might understand it. But the first time we heard that, I was like, wait, does he have to pee? No, or wait, he's masturbate. going to bed? Yeah, is that, is that, is, he gonna, is he gonna jerk it? Is he telling her that he's gonna jerk it? <laughs> Which she, this is the time when she says, enjoy your internet porn. And he's very embarrassed, so that's not what he meant. Right, so, yeah. Hmm. Don't know. Weird don't know. choices, weird choices. That night, she's gonna take out the EVP uh, to try, well, thing to record EVP. And microphone. she's gonna go into the banquet hall. Guys, this is literally like the night before the last day they're going to be uh-huh. closed. Banquet hall is just totally made up it's for banquets. Up. Think about what happens to a hotel at night. Yes! When there are people there. Think about The Shining when they were closing it up for the season. But even no, just overnight. <laughs> chairs go on top of tables, place settings go away. Mm-hmm. And it's set up again the next morning. You know why? Because it would be covered in dust if you didn't. Is completely set up still. The night before the very last night. It's very weird. Very weird. So she hears piano music. Did anybody say they played piano? Was piano part of the story? Nope. I don't remember her saying anything about it. Nope. It feels very out of place. And she, you know, to lead her to the piano, she'll see the piano being played. And then it never comes up again. That, I think, might be the first time in the entire movie where we get something that happens that almost has to be a ghost. Well, it is a ghost. Oh, I know. But I'm saying that there's no other explanation for it or it's not a cheap jump scare. Right? Like, we're how far into this movie? There's only three chapters in an epilogue. Mm-hmm. And we're in chapter two. You waited a real long time to have our first sort of thing that's, yeah, that's a ghost. But why is the ghost playing the piano? It's never established that Madeline played piano. It doesn't come up again. I don't know. I don't know. But she gets so freaked out by this, she runs up to the guy's room and she's like, let me in, let me in. And he answers the door in his underwear, which I guess- This is also really weird too. Which I think it's supposed to be that she becomes uncomfortable or, or like all of her fear is- Drained because she laughs. Because she laughs uh at him. And I, lo- I was reading trivia about this movie, and apparently, did you read this about his underwear? It's pointless trivia. I didn't write it down, but I know what you're talking about, because he lost weight, and so it's some of his old underwear. It doesn't even look that baggy. It's just, he's wearing tidy whities Like, it seemed like such a non-piece of trivia to me. I'm sorry. I just, my point is, it's, I think, I think they think the audience is going to think it's funnier than it is. Yeah. I think they think we're going to laugh as much as she is. Like, But the thing is, is that we didn't have that much tension because all we mm-hmm. saw was a piano. Right. And she's freaking out, banging on the door. And he's like, what are you doing? It's a couple of hours before I have to be up and I'm going to do a 12-hour shift. Let me fucking sleep. She's like, no, you have to let me in. And insists that he let her in. And then he says, okay, fine, come on inside. Like, he's obviously not being predatory. He's not trying to convince her of anything. He, as a matter of fact, he's trying to get her to go away. And when he finally says, yeah, fine, go ahead and come in, she's like, oh, wait, this is creepy. You might try to do something. I don't feel comfortable. And it's like, well, this is fucking emotional whiplash, people. And you did this. 
You're the one that demanded he wake up. You're the one that demanded he let you in. And then when he does both, then all of a sudden he's creepy. You know what? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> and then she leaves his room and the actress comes out and she's like, can you please keep it down? And I'm like, why weren't you more upset last night when she right. was screaming? Yeah. But okay. And she goes, you know what? I just got a ghost on tape, so leave me alone. And I think we're supposed to think that's either empowering or funny. I yeah, couldn't tell neither. which. And it's neither. it's neither. So then the lady is like, oh, You're there's a ghost? a ghost, you say? Yeah, uh-huh. Let me completely change my entire character and persona. Yes. And suddenly I'm going to be kind and helpful and healing and want to do all this stuff for you. Yeah. She's a different character now. Yeah. Completely different character. And she does this thing with this, like, she has a pendulum with a crystal on the We've on the seen end. those before yeah, in movies. Here's the problem. That's not how fucking pendulums work. Even if you believe in the power of the pendulum, they do two things. They go back and forth in a straight line, or they spin around in a circle. They answer yes, no questions. They tell you, are you pregnant with a boy or pregnant with a girl? Or whatever. Like, that's what they do. Instead, she uses this pendulum as a method of, like, communing with the spirits. Yeah, it's basically her version of a Ouija board. But that's my point, is even if you believe in the pendulum and its connection to the spirits and spirituality, that's not how it fucking works. That's not what it does. It made me so mad, because they make such a big deal out of this fucking pendulum. Well, she goes from using the pendulum to suddenly she can hear them talking and, like, Yes, so what's the pendulum things. for? Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe it's meant to... Maybe it's the crystal and it brings their energy to it. I don't fucking know. Mr. I don't believe in crystals. No, just everything is just so poorly established and <laughs> poorly reinforced... And they do nothing with anything. It's like all three elements. But so she says, she tells her, what, she, she asks her, what do you want to know? And the girl says, I want to know if it's her. And she goes, okay, so ask. And she says, I want to know, is it Madeline O'Malley? And she goes, no, I need you to actually close your eyes, actually concentrate, mm-hmm. ask the spirit directly. Mm-hmm. And so she does. And then... This is where the movie 100% unravels makes no sense. We're going to need to get an exact reading of this. Well, she asks, what do they want? And she says, like you, they want to live. Then she says, there are three ghosts. There was a mistake in the basement. Do not go into the basement. You cannot save her. They tried to help her. Later on, they are also going to suggest that she can see the fucking future, which is not at all what she just told her she was going to do for her. She said, I'm going to contact the spirits here. And suddenly it sh- it shifts so that she can see the future. And suddenly she is talking to our main character dead in the future as a ghost. What is happening? What is happening with your plot? What is happening with this woman's abilities? Are you the spirit of Madeline O'Malley? Did you die in this hotel? Was that you playing the piano? Maybe I won't say who they are. They? There are three of them. What do they want? Same thing you do. What? To live. 
but they're not alive. There was a terrible tragedy in this hotel. Something about the basement, a, a mistake. It's her, it's Madeline, that's where they, that's where they hit her body. You mustn't go down into the basement. Why, is that where she's trapped? Is her spirit trapped in there? You can't save her. They tried to warn her, they tried to help her. Who's they, what do they want? contact do you see what i'm saying she suddenly can see the future but instead of telling her i'm seeing the future and i know you're going to die if you go down to the basement she just doesn't right who are these three spirits they specifically mention that there are three spirits it's gotta be who are they it's gotta be bride old man and young girl it's got to be those are the only spirits we see in the entire movie but she, that means that she's speaking to them after they've already died in the future. No, but that, see, but that also doesn't make sense because those spirits tried to save her. Now, I think she's talking about herself her. and the guy trying to get her out of the. Oh, the they tried to help. At, her. They tried I to see. help her. But but there's three spirits she mentions, and then they, then she says they. So that's exactly because I don't think she's being clear at all. And I think, and it's later she says, "I'm not supposed to be too clear on what I say." Why? Why? Who told you that? No, I think I think the reason is is because when she's too specific, people get upset, and she doesn't like upsetting people, which is fine. That's fine. My problem is all the lore about what's going on with these spirits is right here in this scene. This is all you're getting. This is it. This is all you're getting. You will get nothing more than what you just heard. That's it. Who are these spirits? No, no, no. There's multiple of them. Okay, so we got that element of, oh, you think it's this person, but it's not. It's actually a demonic spirit, like in every fucking possession movie ever, 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 or every haunted house movie ever. It's just that again. And, but who are they, really? No idea. I think it's the what old What was man the terrible the thing bride. that happened in the basement? I think that that's where she's, that, that she's seeing her death. I think she's seeing the future and not sharing that information, but trying to help her. By telling her not to go. By telling her not to go, but then disappearing after she tells her not to go. And then her hearing a voice downstairs and her being like, it must be the girl who told me not to go down there. Obviously. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but yes, it's a mess at the end of the this movie. This is just a mess. How they, how they get her into the basement. Yeah. This, this is just everything just unraveled in this scene. Right here. Yep. We're chapter not even three? in chapter three. Chapter yet. three? Hold on. Okay. So the reason I realized that there was no breakfast is because they left a sign on their front thing that said be back at seven. And I was like, I guess no breakfast. Uh-huh. What a shitty hotel. The hotel does not serve breakfast, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but then also, it's the next morning, she's taking a shower. Oh, Gosh, no towels. I'm so annoyed at both myself and... Yeah, it's your fucking job, lady! And the guy I work with, so irritated. And the next shot, totally dry. Uh Uh-huh. Did you air dry? What just happened? Yep. Yep. 
Why did you bother to make that joke to make it totally not make sense two yeah, seconds uh-huh. later? See, it's funny running joke that they don't have towels. Chapter three. Chapter three, a final guest. This is where a man identified only as old man <laughs> reserves a hotel room, insists that he get a room that's not on the floor that's open, which is the second floor. He wants it on the third floor or something like that. In their honeymoon suite. In the honeymoon suite. So that's obviously where he had his honeymoon. Oh man, there's an implied story here. That's the first interesting implied story that the movie does. The first and only one. And you know what's happening. You know exactly what's happening. An old man shows up on the last night that a hotel is open to stay at the honeymoon suite. The only reach that you have to make is, is this the man that left Madeline O'Malley at the altar? I think that would have been hundreds. Do we know? Are we ever told when Madeline O'Malley was? I think they do. I think it's in the 1800s. Okay. Well, then then you don't even have that. He's just a man who shows up to live through a nostalgic night at a at a hotel that's closing He's going to kill himself in the middle of the night. You just know he's going to. And that's exactly what happens. Yes. But there are a couple things I'd like to talk about. Okay. This is when she runs downstairs in her underwear. And that's when the the mother will say, that's it. I've had enough. But I do love that after he, maybe it's not her that he's talking about. Maybe it's the actress. I don't remember. But he calls one of them Gozer. And I thought that it's, was pretty funny. Yeah, I think it's it was the actress, <laughs> I think. Don't worry about Gozer and her demon seed leaving. You actually did us a favor. But yes, I remember that. Also, okay, so the mom and son left here. Again, have to reinforce the idea that they serve zero plot function whatsoever. And they did zero character building. And what, maybe not actually zero, what little character building they did made us dislike our main character. So what the fuck was the point? I have enough going on in my life. Yes, ma'am. And you, we still need towels. I am tired of asking. Don't make me the bad guy in this. Right. We're in room 225. Yeah, I know which room you're in. I work in the hotel. So then they're going to like start drinking, I guess, because it's the last night. So fuck it. Why not get drunk? Even though we do have two people staying in the hotel that we are responsible for. But sure, let's go ahead and drink during the middle of the day. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. At work. Here's the thing. This is the last night your hotel is going to be open. I get it. Guess what's not going to be open tomorrow night? The hotel. Guess where you're not when you're not going to have to deal with any customers? Tomorrow night. And guess where your fucking boss is? Barbados. You have free reign of this hotel. Let everyone leave in the morning and then have a fucking rager the next night. What are you doing getting plastered both of you? On the last night you're there. Mm-hmm. When you have one more person there than you originally anticipated. And so because they're, they've are they been drinking, their inhibitions are gone. And when the actress shows up uh, to go back to her room, uh, the guy totally makes fun of her for being an alcoholic and a psychic. Like a total dick. Yeah, and she doesn't defend her. In the moment. And then uh, when she leaves, she's like, you didn't have to say that. And he's like, whatever. You're the one who said she was a bitch to you. Right. Again... Reminder, she was a bitch yes, to her. Yes, she was. She was a total bitch to her before she decided to help her, which, by the way, she didn't really help her with anything because she didn't bother to actually explain what she was t- telling her. Anyway, this is when he will hit on her, but it won't go anywhere. Because she'll just act like it didn't happen. Yes. Oh, you know what we should do? 
Let's go to the Let's basement. Let's go to the basement. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ah, ha, 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 ha. The first time I wrote down, this is the first time the movie finally gets kind of creepy. When they go into the basement. Bulb pops. That's a good omen. I like yeah, that line. Uh-huh. She sees Madeline behind our dude. Well, yeah. So they go down there. They're kind of hosting a seance. She asks, why does your spirit never rest? Oh, did you feel that? Do you hear her whispering? And the guy keeps saying, no, no, I don't. Nothing's happening. And then, like, she gets this look on her face and he's like, what? And she goes, she's right behind you. And I didn't know if she was fucking with him or not because we don't get to see if she's behind. And I am fine with that, actually, but it does nothing with it. They end up running away and he gets He runs away. He gets so disturbed by the fact that it might actually be a ghost that he leaves. He admits to her that it was all made up. He never actually saw a ghost. And he's he's like, I'm sorry, but I have to go. Bye. And he just leaves her there, which is a huge dickhead move. Now, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. He's going to come back later and he's going to apologize for leaving. It's like, okay, fine. I'm I'm okay with this. Character more character building. He's overcoming something. Now, what's the purpose of him having overcome that? Nothing. Is he going to save her or protect her in any way? Nope. No. Then let him leave and let him feel guilty for not being there when she needed him. But he does come back and he is there and he still can't help her. So what the fuck is the point of any of this? Don't know. Do not know. She decides to go after and help ask the actress for help. And the actress is like, you were a bitch to me. And she's like, I'm sorry. And so she wakes her up, gets her out of bed. And she's like, oh, my God, you need to get out of here right now. You're in grave danger. Go get your things. Trust me. Get the fuck out. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, the girl's like, oh, no, there's an old man upstairs. I can't leave him totally unattended. So she runs up to see him. Uh huh. But guess what? He has hung himself. No, he. Oh no! Like the lady in the bathtub, he cut himself. Yeah. Uh huh. And that's a scary thing for her to see. She leaves. She's freaking out, and this is when dude comes back. I wrote down. I was like, missed opportunity. Why not have him hang himself? Why not have it be connected to the yes. to the girl who hung herself? Mm-hmm. Why not have it be a thing? Why not have it be that like if you People, die here, if you're you depressed hang yourself? And you go to this place. Yes, some some kind some kind of connection because all they're doing is they're building up vagaries, vagaries that mean nothing. The problem is is that these vagaries are so random, they don't amount to any sort of general sense of something to be scared of, right? Like, is it is it that people come here and they commit suicide? No, he sought this place out. It didn't make him do it, right? Like, there's always an external reason. Okay, well, then they kill themselves here and then they become vengeful ghosts, right? No, the ghosts don't do fucking anything to anybody except for at the end of the movie and it's unclear who it is and what they've actually done. And why? And why? Like, it's just so many opportunities that are just past. But so, Lee has told her to go get her stuff. She has gone to find the guy dead. She runs downstairs. In runs the guy. I shouldn't have left you like that. That Uh was a bad idea. She goes, I know. And Lee said, I have to get out of here. But Lee's not down here. I know what to do. I'll go and find her. You stay here. (sighs) 
I will look for her in the one place she told me not to go. I hear something. It must be Lee. Why is Lee in the basement the one place she told me not to go? I don't know, but I'm going to ignore that information and just go down there anyway. She freaks out. She gets scared of something. Oh, she does see the ghost of the man who killed himself that night, which is fine. That's when, okay, so she opens up the door down to the basement. She's afraid to go in there. She turns around. He's behind he's there. her. Terrifies her. She falls down the stairs. Totally fine. That works. But, it, I mean, what else happens? What else is the result of that? He, yeah, he. you see him at long hallways a couple times, and they are creepy. These are mm -hmm. creepy moments. These, these is creepy visuals, and it did get my heart pumping. But, but I sat through what? an hour and a half of movie for this. Right, and then, like, she's trying to get out, and then we don't see what happens to her, and cut she to epilogue. She screams, she turns around, and then epilogue, she's dead. How do people like this? I don't know! <laughs> so epilogue um the police are there the guy's upset i wasn't strong enough to get her out they accept his story yeah you would think that he would be blamed it doesn't make any fucking suspect sense. number one and again the actress is still inside and they tell him to go get her again I'm yes like, what? i gotta go find her so Why? he goes in to find her and then he gets this moment with her where she's like Talking to our actress as a ghost, or no, he's talking to our main character as a ghost, I guess is what she's doing. Why she's still in there. I, I don't know, but she turns around and is like, oh, okay. <laughs> you knew this was going to happen. Yeah. You could have done something. There was nothing anyone could have done. Why? What? What does that mean? You could have told her what was going to happen. What do you mean? There was nothing you could do. What does that mean? You could have took her by the hand and said, we're getting the fuck out of here. You can come back later to Why? get your shit. <laughs> or we can send someone to get your shit. There's nothing anybody could have done. There's plenty you could have done. Explain to me why there was nothing you could have done. And then, and then they leave. And then it's like, there's a moment and then the door shuts. Cool. Yeah. I wrote down, this is my last comment on the, on the movie from my notes, which, Okay. I'm going to establish how interested I was in this movie. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine notes, and four of them are the title cards that we see. <laughs> this is my ninth note. It just seems so inconsequential. Okay, so? What was the point of anything? The mom and the son? What was the point? The Lena Dunham barista? What was the point? Why was the actress staying there specifically? Because she was just staying there because it was nearby the convention she was going to. But is there anything about she was drawn there or she saw the website? Wrap that website back up into the story. No. no. There's no reason. There's no explanation. There's the dude that committed suicide that we see as a ghost once. And he does nothing? No confirmation of what, who, or even why he was. Like, nothing. What was the point of anything? I'm getting angrier talking about this. I thought I was going to give this just a 50 because it was a nothing blah of a movie. I don't think I can give it that anymore. What do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes, Kelsey? I'm sure it's high. Higher than we're going to give it. 121 reviews. I'm going to say like a 68. 79. It doesn't break any rules of the genre. It doesn't follow any rules of the genre. 
But the innkeeper serves as additional proof that Ty West is a young director that discriminating horror fans can trust. Go fuck yourself! House of the Devil. Watch House of the Devil. What if did you we want. Give it? What did we give House of the Devil? Mm-hmm. We both gave it an 86. It had an 87 on Rotten Tomatoes at the time. We both gave it an 86. It's so just infinitely better. The idea that this is additional proof that he's a young director you can trust. It's the exact opposite. I'm not so sure anymore. <laughs> I see his name on something. I don't know. And now I see that he, he made X and X is getting killer reviews. Well, I don't know if I can trust those reviews if they thought this movie was good. Metacritic of 64. Do you think this movie is overrated or underrated, Kelsey? Overrated. Okay, what would you give it? I will give it... Jesus. There were some things I liked about it. There were some lines that made me chuckle. There were some things that felt very real. But I wouldn't even call it a comedy. No. Like, it's not a funny movie. I will give it a 40. I'll give it a 40. I'm going to be harsher. I'll give it high 30. So I won't be much more harsh than that. But I'll give it a 37. It is a nothing of a movie. But the fact that it's a nothing of a movie makes me angry. I don't know how he makes this movie. After the care that was put into House of the Devil. Mm -hmm. It's like he didn't fucking care about this movie. I don't know. Movie's got jump scares, right? There's a cat. Make it a bird. I don't know. People kill themselves and then come back as ghosts. That's a thing that happens in movies, right? It's really creepy when they're dressed up as brides, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, it's a ghost bride. That's a creepy thing, right? Oh, it's really creepy when you think you know who the ghost is, but it's really somebody else. That's really creepy, right? Yet not if you don't do anything with it. Not if you don't explain why we should be creeped out about the fact that she's not talking to Madeline O'Malley. Why is that creepier when we don't even know what Madeline O'Malley's intentions are? (sighs) It is a masterclass in how to fuck up a horror movie. So that was The Innkeepers. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Jeffrey. Sorry, Jeffrey. Um, I was really looking forward to it. Yes. We've heard really good things about it. Maybe we're the weird ones. Maybe we're the weird ones. I recognize that I've heard good things about this. I don't know. Anyway, that was our haunted house week where neither of the haunted locations were houses. (laughs) Kelsey, what are we watching next week? All right, guys. Let's have a talk. Next week is Easter. We normally do... Holiday themed movies. Uh huh. We have watched just about every good, and some of them were not good, uh, Easter horror movies. Easter movies that we were willing to watch. Yes. Will- willing to watch. That's, that's a better way of putting it. Now, there are two movies we were going to watch. It was a stretch. I'd like to ask, we've been recommended by Jeffrey (laughs) to watch a movie that Chris says is not a horror movie. I am fine if we do another kids horror episode, right? Like, Like stuff that's made for the family, but might be like super intense and terrifying. What is that movie, Kelsey? Watership Down. 
Weigh in, guys. Weigh in on Twitter. Weigh in through our email. Let us know if you think Watership Down was frightening if you saw it when you were a child. If you think it would be a good fit for this show outside of an animated, like, kids horror or family horror episode. Because I don't think it's it's a stretch to call it an Easter movie. Just because it has Just because it has rabbits. Anyway. Besides, there's no such thing as an Easter rabbit. He's the Easter bunny. <laughs> These are decidedly not bunnies. Matter of fact, I think there's a name. There's multiple tribes of rabbits that they are. Yeah, but that doesn't have to do with anyway. quite a rabbit they are. I've read part of the book. <laughs> the alternative one, the modern one, was Dead Snow, which I think was one that was like, that doesn't fits. It, doesn't it land on Easter? Because, yeah, it happens on Easter, where they encounter, ironically... Nazi zombies. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe we'll watch that next year. But my mother has been recommending a movie for our show for a while. And yes, we know it's a really good one. And we specifically have not been watching it because we wanted to cover it on the show. We've been denying ourselves this movie. So that's going to be our theme going forward. We are not looking to offend anyone. We just need to do something for Easter. <laughs> And we're out of Easter horror movies. And if you think of one, guarantee you it's terrible. Watch the trailer and tell us you want us to see it with a straight face. Every single Easter movie that we have not covered is like a new Here Comes Peter Cottonhell or... Well, we watched that one. I know. And we watched those. Chris thought that one was Funny, I, I think. I don't remember which one I feel it like was. like thought it was funny. There are a few of those Easter that are Day. funny. Anyway. What so, are we watching? Day of the Dead. Yep. Because that's the next one in the, the series the for dead. us. Because we've seen, we've seen Night of the Living Dead. We've seen Dawn of the Dead. Now we're seeing Day of the Dead. Uh-huh. And because my mother has been wanting us to watch it for forever, we are watching Train to Busan. Yes. Finally. It's one of two foreign zombie movies that I really want us to get to. The other one being One Cut of the Dead, which I still haven't seen. I really, really want to, but I'm, I'm, I'm holding off until we can watch it for the show. So there are sacrifices that are being made here, people. <laughs> anyway, that next week for Easter for a resurrection week of Bond Cemetery is Day of the Dead from 1985 and Train to Busan from 2016. So looking forward to next week might actually be good. We were looking forward to this week. We thought it was going to be great. It was not. No. Until next week, you can catch us on our website, podcemetery.com, or on Twitter, at podcemetery. Don't forget to subscribe to us in your podcatcher of choice and rate and review. A five-star written review is the biggest help you can give us there, but even bigger than that is sharing us with your friends, and even bigger than that is listening in the GD first place. Thank you all very, very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? Never skimp on bread. You'll always regret it. I don't wanna be
addicted to the sacred place. This ain't a dream I can't escape. Are you the spirit of Madeline O'Malley? Did you die in this hotel? Was that you playing the piano? They won't say who they are. They? There are three of them. What do they want? Same thing you do. What? To live. But they're not alive. There is a terrible tragedy in this hotel. Something about the basement? A mistake? It's her. It's Madeline. It's where they hid her body. You mustn't go down into the basement. Why, is that where she's trapped? Is her spirit trapped in there? You can't save her. They tried to warn her. They tried to help her. Who's they? What do they want? What happened? I lost contact. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? I don't remember this character. So the dad dies in Inception? What dad? Killian Murphy's dad? Killian Murphy's dad. I don't remember Killian Murphy's dad. It doesn't matter. He's dead. (laughs) But the point is they need to convince Killian Murphy to split up the companies, right? Uh And there's the guy who wants to take over the business, who is the dad's right-hand man and like the lawyer or whatever, who wanted to take over the business. But yes, there is a priest who lives above her and he stares at her through the ceiling, through through the window it's Easter next week. Is it Easter? How the hell are we going to do Easter movies? So, look up who recommended Watership Down. <laughs> oh my god. You're fucking kidding me. Jeffrey. You can't fucking do Watership Down. It's listed as a thriller on IMDb. Not the remake. Why did we do Secret of Nim? What was the theme we went for there? Like kids horror? Yeah. Are we doing another kids horror movie? No. Not for not with Watership Down. What are we doing with Watership Down? Dead Snow. That takes place on Easter and Watership Down has rabbits. Oh my god. Do you want to not do an Easter week? We don't have to. Can do another recommendation. We can just skip Easter. Up to you. Because there's like no more good Easter horror. It's all gone. We did it all. I mean, there's tons of new Easter horror movies that all look terrible. Like, like, yeah, abysmally bad. Well, if we were to do recommendations, what would they be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? Or we could make it be a resurrection week and we could do a zombie week. Okay, what would our movies be? That's hilarious. We start doing resurrection movies. Zombie movies at Easter. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, we got two Korean zombie movies that we need to watch. Okay. Not the 2008 remake starring Mina Suvari and Nick Cannon. <laughs> Not the 2021 remake starring Keenan Tracy and Michael Doheny. There's two remakes of Day of the Dead? Looks like it, unless this is something else. Yeah, are they different movies? Six strangers trying to survive the first 24 hours of an undead invasion. Oh, no, that's a series. It is inspired by George Romero. Yes, uh-huh. 
Okay, so Day of the Dead. And when you think about it, we're not being rude about your religion, okay? I don't care! I don't care! I don't care. I was raised Christian, okay? I was raised Catholic. What Kelsey's getting to is that we're thinking because there aren't any good Easter movies left over, we make it a resurrection week, and we do zombie movies. Yes. When somebody dies and then rises from the grave, they're a zombie. (laughs) Don't use that word. (laughs) Jesus was a zombie. I'm sorry. A holy zombie, still a zombie. Got it. Looks like Oneaters. (laughs) Got it. That's still a zombie. (laughs) 